So when I was looking to transfer, it was um, a lot of one-on-one -on -one, and it didn't feel like I got lost in a huge university because I knew that if I came here, there was going to be someone I could talk to about every aspect of the courses I needed to take, but also too, I loved the smaller classroom sizes and I liked how interactive and immersive all of the learning was going to be. It wasn't just going to be me sitting in a room with a couple hundred people and a professor who didn't know my name. To find out more about transferring to William Peace University, visit peace.edu. Scattered storms this evening are triggering a WRAL weather alert day. Heavy rain, strong wind, and hail are all possibilities. I'm timing out what you can expect. The safety of some Durham parks is in question. A Duke researcher found alarmingly high levels of lead in the soil. The city's plan to address it. Plus, see where parking illegally in Raleigh could cost you hundreds of dollars. And taking a live look at the radar right now, we are still seeing some storms popping up in parts of our area. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ashley Rowe. And I'm Dan Haggerty. Taking a live look at the tall tower cam over Wake County. That is a tall tower. A level one risk for severe weather still in effect for the Triangle and surrounding areas at this hour. Meteorologist Kat Campbell in the WRL Severe Weather Center tracking when all this moves out, Kat. You've got about two hours left in the severe weather threat. After 9 o'clock, the severe threat quickly dying down and the storms moving out. And really, the bulk of the strongest thunderstorm activity is already east of us. We do still have some spotty showers, a few thunderstorms out there, but they're pretty small and nothing that looks like it's going to become severe at the moment. Zooming in on the dual Doppler 5000 radar, we do have a shower just approaching Chapel Hill right now. Some showers moving out of Wake County toward Rocky Mount. We also have a few thunderstorms in the southern part of our viewing area, one pass on the north side of Fayetteville. We'll continue to monitor these storms as they pass through this evening. By 8 o'clock, I think that the chance for storms would be ending in the triangle. And after 9 o'clock, it's over for everyone. I'll have a closer look at how much rain we could see this week and temperatures when we hit 90 again coming up. Thanks, Kat. Let's check in with Mark. All right, Dan, when those storms moved through this afternoon and into the evening, we received some viewer photos and videos showing some of the damage. Some from this area, live look right now at Lake Gaston, but clearly a beautiful night right now in the 7 o'clock hour. But take a look at some of these photos. A little bit of damage right there, some trees coming down, the wind's so strong. Some of the residents there in Littleton saying that there was some damage to their backyard. You can see how it looks like in the, uh, with that flag pulled down as well. That flag pole was snapped. And so now there's a bit of a cleanup process out there, but one of the good things they have working for them right now at 702 is those storms finally moved out of that community. Back to you. Good news. Thanks, Mark. Stay connected. Also, all of you at home with the radar, with the WRL weather app, you can download it wherever you get your apps. Right now, more than 100 people are participating in a meeting to discuss safety concerns after high levels of lead were found in the soil at three Durham parks. This is video of one of them, Walltown Park, and the issue is suspected at even more public spaces. The troubling discovery was made by a Duke University graduate student. WRAL's Durham reporter Sarah Kruger explains why some are frustrated by the city's response. A lot of parents came here today to Walltown Park to let their kids play, and they were stunned to see me and hear about these findings. And they're wondering why they didn't hear about them first from the city and why there was no sign posted right here to notify them. 
A Duke graduate student spent months testing the soil at three Durham parks and found what she calls alarmingly high levels of lead at East End, East Durham and Walltown parks. All were incinerator sites where trash was burned until about 1950. She recommends testing at Northgate and Lion parks as they have similar histories. Lead is actually um, very harmful can hear you. Anthony Snell was among the parents we found at Walltown Park, wondering why he got the news from us rather than the city. This will probably be our last day here until we can actually um, find out what the situation is. Is it really um, safe? for our kids to be here. The student concluded her research in December, publishing a 38-page thesis. It states that even at low levels of exposure, lead can cause dire health issues, ranging from cardiovascular stress to neurological damage. Well, I'm concerned about my health, for one thing. Uh, has it affected it? Audrey Mitchell is the president of the Walltown Community Association. She grew up going to the park. I'm concerned about the children now. The city says it will conduct its own testing at all five parks mentioned in the students' research and will keep residents informed of the findings, working with the health department as well. The city didn't give a timeline for that testing. In her paper, the Duke student said the best thing to do in these cases is to remove the contaminated soil and replace it. Sarah Kruger, WRAL News, Durham. And dangerous levels of lead were detected at a Cumberland County Elementary School. It was discovered at Beaver Dam Elementary School in Roseboro. The Cumberland County Health Department is offering free blood tests to students who attended in-person instruction over the past six months. The health effects of lead exposure are more harmful to children younger than six years of age. Officials say so far no student is known to have blood lead levels above the state's threshold. The Cumberland County deputies shut down a crime-ridden motel. They say the Coliseum Inn on Gillespie Street has been the site of several investigations over the years. 20 homicides, 28 overdoses, and about a dozen cases of human trafficking, all at that same address. The Coliseum Inn will cease operations. Signs are posted to keep visitors away. A local restaurant went up in flames, and firefighters do not think it was an accident. It happened around 2.30 this morning at Fishing Pier and Seafood on Murkison Road in Fayetteville. No one was injured. Authorities are indicating that the fire appeared to be suspicious. No word yet on what caused the fire. Big changes could come to the board in charge of making sure our elections run smoothly. Republicans filed a bill that would take away the Democrats' control of the state board of elections. Democrats currently have three of the five seats appointed by Governor Roy Cooper. This bill would increase the number of board members from five to eight and be evenly split between Democrats and Republicans. Plus, the General Assembly would choose the members. No one person, no one party, should have exclusive control of our elections. During my tenure, there is no party that has one upmanship on the other. They need to put park their parts and caps at the door and come work together. 
Democrats have controlled the board since 2017. This new proposal comes just after a wide-ranging elections bill that aims to crack down on mail-in voting and make numerous changes to voting rules in North Carolina. $200, that's the price you'd have to pay if you get caught parking where you're not supposed to in one part of Raleigh. Late this afternoon, City Council approved the higher fine for Glenwood South and neighborhoods nearby. WRL's Matt Tallhelm shows us why the problem isn't just about parking. Right now, if you park illegally here, you're looking at a $30 fine, but some city councilors say that's not enough to deter people from risking getting a ticket to avoid having to pay for parking. They hope a $200 ticket will. That higher fine will apply to all of Glenwood South and nearby residential permit zones from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. seven days a week. Some people who live in the neighborhoods next to the nightlife district say the party spills out onto their streets. They've had damage done and even gunshots fired in the early morning hours as people head back to their cars after the bars close. City Councilor Jonathan Melton tells me he'd like to see more than just higher parking fines. What I would like to see is better crowd control. Um, focusing on how we can keep folks out of areas we don't want them to go into, um, dispersing folks when the bars are closed so there's not a lot of, uh, I guess, hanging around and bad behavior that may be associated with that. The city points out there are more than 3,200 publicly available legal parking spots in and around Glenwood South right now. Those higher fines, $200, will go into effect July 1st. Matt Tallhelm, WRL News, Raleigh. The recent Supreme Court ruling in Alabama could have implications in the 2024 election in several states. We're going to go in-depth as to how North Carolina fits into that equation coming up next. Plus, several North Carolina teams made a visit to the White House today. We'll take you inside the celebrations in our nation's capital. And taking a live look at the DBAP right now, some clouds are hanging uh, hanging around tonight. But you know, that looks pretty cool as it the does, sunset yeah. starts. Meteorologist Kat Campbell has your forecast for the rest of the week coming up. It's triumphant music and then it's, it's just me standing here. Anyhow, let's go in depth, shall we, on a headline that I read last week that got overshadowed by the fact that every presidential contender in America decided to come to North Carolina. Here it is. This was the headline. Supreme Court unexpectedly upholds provision prohibiting racial gerrymandering. This was unexpected because most of the justices are conservative and because gerrymandering is a difficult thing to prove. But the court found that Republicans in Alabama drew their voting districts unfairly and diluted the voting power of black communities there. So they have to redraw them, creating new headlines like this one over the weekend. Shockwaves, how a Supreme Court decision on Alabama could shake up the 2024 election. Because yes, there are similar lawsuits in Louisiana and Georgia and Texas and Florida and South Carolina. But will those shockwaves ripple to us here in North Carolina? After all, our courts decided Republicans here drew the maps unfairly before a new court then moved in who had more conservative judges and then revised that decision and said, ah, never mind, it's cool. Saying our constitution expressly, uh, expresses, what's that word? Expressly, I got it. Assigns the redistricting authority to the General Assembly subject to explicit limitations in the text. Those limitations do not address partisan gerrymandering. And all those other words didn't matter as much as the partisan gerrymandering part. And I, and I nailed those ones. You see, not all gerrymandering is considered cool. 
<laughs> but if it deals with drawing districts for political parties, then yeah, courts really don't think it's their place to weigh in, which has consistently been the stance of the U.S. Supreme Court as well. So why do they intervene in Alabama? Well, because that case dealt with racial gerrymandering, which is against the Voting Rights Act. And North Carolina's maps don't pertain to that part of the law. Professor Shaw at UNC explained it to me like this. Even though, as we all know, there's a strong overlap uh, between race and partisanship, uh, but uh, you're right. There's different standards that apply and in uh, federal court. And now even in North Carolina, since the reversal by the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, on the issue of whether uh, the state court can entertain issues of partisan gerrymandering. I think that it could have uh, implications. Keep in mind, and you just referred to it, uh, there's partisan gerrymandering, uh, which the Supreme Court of the United States has said is not justiciable. In other words, the federal courts uh, won't uh, decide those kinds of cases, won't entertain them. On the other hand, there's racial gerrymandering in which the courts have to hear. It is really hard to make gerrymandering interesting. I tried. I really tried. Let me know if you have questions, if, if there's anything that you're curious about. Um, I do have a surprising amount of knowledge about gerrymandering. I mean, for instance, did you know it's actually pronounced Gary-mandering, named after a founding father named Elbridge Gary, who first tried the tactic by drawing a map that the press said looked like a salamander? I think if salamanders looked like they came from Middle Earth... So now you could sound smart at a party. You could say things like, you know, it's actually pronounced gerrymandering. And you might be wondering who in the world would ever talk about something like that at a party. And now you just sound like my wife on our way home from the party. Either way, let's nerd out together. Let me know what interests you. What do you want to know more about? Please send me an email, dan at wrl.com. Tell me what's on your mind and we'll go in depth. Oh, Dan, gerrymandering, now you know. The U.S. Supreme Court will not take up a case involving Confederate flags on North Carolina license plates. WRL has covered this case for years now. It all started when the DOT chose to no longer issue or renew plates with the flag. The North Carolina Sons of Confederate Veterans filed a lawsuit in 2021. The case made it all the way to the highest court in the country, and the justices chose not to pick it up. They did not comment further. DOT's rule took effect in January of 2022. Republican candidates visiting our state over the weekend said if elected, they would change Fort Liberty back to Fort Bragg. But is that a promise they could actually keep? WRAL's Fayetteville reporter Gilbert Bays found out it's not likely. They were words used to fire up the Republican base, and they did just that. We will end the political correctness in the hallways of the Pentagon, and North Carolina will once again be home to Fort Bragg. And I also look forward to, uh, as president, restoring the name of Fort Bragg to our great military base in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Over the weekend, presidential candidates Mike Pence and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis made those claims to a GOP-based rally in North Carolina. But can they make that happen with an executive order from the president? I'm not an expert on executive privilege, but I would assume he has a lot of latitude under uh, executive orders. But I'd have to ask the question, why would he or she want to do that? 
Retired General Dan McNeil is a former Fort Bragg commander. He served on the committee that eventually selected Fort Liberty as the new name for the largest military installation in the country. The name was changed in an effort by the U.S. military to confront racial injustice in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. The post was named after a Confederate Army general. McNeil says the process to find the right name was exhaustive and sometimes contentious. It was part of the Defense Authorization Act of 2021. It seems trite to say diverse, but it was an extraordinarily diverse crowd of diverse interests as well. Everyone had a focus that this naming convention had to occur. This is not just some frivolous thing. We are following the letter of the law. As the 2024 presidential campaign gets crowded with Republican candidates, the search is on to find the right catchphrase to separate them from the pack. Some political experts say changing Fort Liberty back to Fort Bragg shouldn't be part of the conversation. In this case, we know that it won't take the president alone renaming a, a military base and just one out of this whole series and sequence of committee hearings and conversations about renaming these sites that were named after Confederate, monument, uh, Confederate uh, soldiers. In this case, it's dead on arrival. At Fort Liberty, Gilbert Bays, WREL News. Well, taking a live look at Dick's Park right now, what a beautiful, picturesque shot that is. It really does look like a painting. A much different story depending on where you are, though. And Kat, that doesn't look pretty behind you. No, Fayetteville's getting hit by a thunderstorm right now. I know that a lot of people in Fayetteville are just happy to see some rain, though. I wish it was raining at my house. Mike Mays was saying the same thing earlier. But the rain is really coming down right now in Fayetteville. It's been a bit breezy at times, too, as I've been watching this camera. And you're just starting to clear up. You can still see a little bit of rain on the lens there. And of course, the road is wet in Andrew after a shower passed through. The showers are blowing through pretty quickly. These showers continue to push to the east with a lot of lightning. Most of the lightning is east of our viewing area, but I wanted to point this out. This number is incredible. 777. It just went down to 770 strikes of lightning within the past 15 minutes. Most of it in this line of storms pushing east toward the coast. These storms are really electric and they've really intensified as they move to the east and east of our viewing area. That's where we've had some severe thunderstorm warnings. No warnings here locally. It showers for the most part a few bolts of lightning out there, but things are really starting to quiet down on the dual Doppler 5000 radar. One shower that could be headed for Rocky Mount. You can see the heavy rain passing through Fayetteville. It's about to be right over I-95 and Dunn has already seen some rain today. More on the way. After 9 o'clock, though, rain chances taper off very quickly. We're dry for the remainder of the night. Here in the Triangle, we haven't seen much rain. We saw a few showers here and there and earlier today, but we're not seeing anything to the west that's headed for the Triangle at this point. So if you need to run outside, run some errands, eat dinner outside, you should be okay to do so the way it looks now. It's this cold front that's passing through and bringing the showers and storms. And when you look at the humidity, I want to point out the lowering dew points. Boy, it was humid outside today, but some of this drier air moves in throughout the day tomorrow. It's going to give it a more comfortable feel outside as well. 83, that is going to be the coolest number, if you can even say coolest with 83, on our seven-day forecast. So if you are not a fan of the 90-degree heat like we saw today, the high humidity, tomorrow is going to be your favorite day of the week probably. After that, temperatures are back in the upper 80s to lower 90s. You may need to get some extra ice cream this week for the kids. Summer is really beginning to settle in around here. Fresh air forecast for tomorrow. It's a pretty nice start to the day. Temperatures in the lower 60s, 6, 7 a.m. Once we get to 10 a.m., 
we're back in the lower 70s. By lunchtime, 77, and during the afternoon is when we top out in the lower 80s. Dinner time temperature should be in the upper 70s tomorrow evening as well. It's going to be a beautiful day outside. We do have some small storm chances by the time we get to Wednesday and Thursday. They're certainly not washout days, so I don't think it's worth canceling any outdoor plans for Wednesday or Thursday at this point. We'll let you know if our thinking changes there. Friday, we're back up to 91 degrees, and then over the weekend, Saturday night into Sunday, the chance for showers and storms returns. We'll watch that closely given that it is Father's Day, but today, our second 90-degree day of the year, we average over 40, so we've got a long ways to go <laughs> in the summer heat. All right, thanks, Scott. Still ahead, a baby giraffe born at the North Carolina Zoo needs a name, and you can help pick one. The options to choose from and vote for your favorite next. And as we head to break, take a live look at Carolina Beach. See that rainbow over in the top right of your screen? Yeah, a rainbow over the ocean right now. We'll be back. Some national championship winning teams from our area visited the White House today. This would be such an experience, don't you think? UNC Chapel Hill's women's tennis and women's field hockey teams won titles in their sports. The school's field hockey team has uh, been on a roll. They've won four of the last five national championships. They're probably getting to know people at the White House at this at this point in the game. Uh, they have 10 in team history, in the school's history. The tennis team went 35-1 and this year, beating NC State in the championship. So there was going to be a North Carolina <laughs> school at the White House regardless. NC State did earn a national title in uh, last year in women's cross country. And that team also came out to celebrate at the White House today. Vice President Kamala Harris spoke addressing all of these athletes. You made tremendous sacrifices, training through injuries, birthdays, vacations, and even a pandemic. You know, all of you, what it means to commit and to persevere. All three teams met with members of Congress from our state. President Biden was not able to make the visit, Dan, because he had to have a, his second root canal. Oof. Yeah. That's no fun. Mm -hmm. uh, you can help decide the name of North Carolina, the North Carolina Zoo's new giraffe calf. Yeah, well, I know you've got names already brewing. A public naming poll just opened. The baby giraffe was born at the zoo just last month. The name's options are Fen, Nelson, Mosey, Jackson, Tamu, and Bungani. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce yeah. it. You have a week to vote for your favorite. The giraffe calf's name will be announced next Wednesday, which also happens to be World Giraffe Day. You can find a link to the poll on WRAL.com. Just search the family section. He looks like a Nelson to me. Nelson? He looks okay. like a Nelson. I, I like don't know Fen. why. I think Fen's a cute one. Thanks for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Our next newscast is at 10 on Fox 50 and 11 on WRAL. Keep watching WRAL News over the air channel 34 and Spectrum channel 1257. Hey, I'm Tim Donnelly from 99.9 The Fan. And I'm Brian Murphy from WRAL News. Sports betting is finally legal in North Carolina. Getting to this point in this state wasn't easy. How it happened is a backstory worth telling. And that's what we're going to do in a new season of our podcast, A Brief History of Triangle Sports. The podcast is out now. Follow A Brief History of Triangle Sports on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or on YouTube. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.